Hello, and thank you for listening to the Vineyard Church Springbrook podcast of Vineyard Church right here in Alcoa, Tennessee. If you haven't already, you can check out our website for more information about our church or find our audio archive with all of our previous messages at www.vineyardchurch.us. You can also subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts. Now, let's hear this week's message. Hi, everybody. Good to be with you. I bring greetings from Maryville Vineyard. Uh, It's really good to see you guys. This is a beautiful expression of the body of Christ. It's a good, good place to be. I'm really glad that you are here. I'm going to read our our scripture for the day. Um, It is just one verse, but it's a big one. These are uh, red letters, so these are the words of Jesus. Um, And you might actually say that these are the words of Jesus, his first and most frequent sermon, a really, really big deal. Mark chapter 1, verse 15 says this, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God has come, repent and believe the good news. This is the word of the Lord. Awesome, that, no, it's okay though, I got you. Um... So yeah, one verse, if you guys have been around here for any length of time, uh, Lindsay had this thing like, hey, I want the whole church while we're reading the book of Ruth to go home and read it during the week. I didn't have to. She made me read it on Sunday. Like she gave me whole chapter one, whole chapter two, three and four. So anytime I get the opportunity to just throw up one verse on her, I do it. As like a subtle puss of like, hey, we don't need every word. Um... And then, and then I get this text message on Thursday of Aaron, like, hey, man, I'm excited to come. I'll be reading the scripture. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, man. I could have just threw out five verses for you, make it last a little bit longer. We want you up there just a tad moment a little longer. Uh, but I feel like this now gets the point across very well for me, Lindsay. Um, but, um, hey, we're going to go ahead and pray and ask the Lord to come, and then we'll jump in. Um, so Jesus, uh, I, I just want to pray what we're saying. Come and sow us your kingdom. Um, I pray that you would come into this room today, Father, that you would move upon our hearts. That, Father, that, Lord, we come in here with these burdens. We come in here hurried. I pray that your spirit right now would just give rest to this room. And that, Father, that we would be a people here that are continuing to be more and more aware of your presence. So, Father, make us aware of your movement. Make us aware of how you're speaking to us. We love you. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, guys. Today we're going to jump back into our Who We Are series. And the last two weeks, if you've been here, if you haven't been here, go check them out on the podcast. Lindsay preached on the renewal of all things, the narrative of Scripture in the creation, fall, redemption, and renewal. And this week we're going to jump into the values of our church. And before I jump into the one we're going to talk about today, I want to explain why the big vision that we went over the last two weeks, the renewal of all things, why that is so important to us specifically here at the Vineyard um, is because we as pastors want a vision that's bigger than what we the pastors are doing, if that makes sense. Um, 
What churches usually say, and there's nothing wrong with this, it's great for churches to have vision. If they didn't have vision, they'd go nowhere. But um, what we normally say is, buy into our vision. Here's where we are going. Are you coming with us? And we want a vision that's big enough to not only fit how God is moving through us, but also how God is moving through you. And joining God in renewal of all things is big enough to be able to fit also where God is calling you in your walk with God and for us to come alongside you as pastors and to do the one thing he's called pastors to do is to equip you in that. And so we want a vision that's not only big, big enough for pastors, but the whole church. But not only do we want a vision that's big enough for that, um, we want a vision that's big enough to include our city. A vision where the story of God is not only unfolding in the church, but also unfolding in the life of Blount County and Alcoa. We want a vision that we can partner with God for the sake of our city. And God's story of renewal is all about human flourishing. And so our city is also a part of our vision. And that's why we love the big vision of joining God and renewal of all things. Now, if you have been around recently, our SLT team made up of Lindsay Mizell and Johnny Williams back there in the back. I got you, Johnny. And then then Aaron and his wife, Saren, and then our missions pastor, Josh Armstrong, um, have thought through how how to make this a bit more tangible for us because joining the God and renewal of all things is so big that there's really nothing specific to it. It gives you no vision of how to go forward. It's just this really big idea. And um, they came up with this tagline, which is walking with God and loving your neighbor. That's how we go about joining God and the renewal of all things. Um, they have also thought of five specific values that we are about in joining God in the renewal of all things, which are kingdom, which is what we'll talk about today, mission, formation, simplicity, and reconciliation. And like I heard Aaron say on this podcast when he introduced this, this is not something that's only specific to us here at the Vineyard. These are things the whole church does. Like, um, like, like um, we don't have any trademark on this or anything like that. Every church of Jesus is and should be about these things. And guys, we have more values than just those things. Um, those are just things that we specifically want to point out as a congregation. And so today, we're going to jump into that first one, and that's the kingdom of God. And guys, I get, I get so excited when we talk about the kingdom of God, because coming from um, an independent fundamental Baptist, I wasn't raised in church. I chased a girl in the church at 19, and that's what I thought, that, you know, you only use the King James Bible and, you know, the Holy Spirit, you talk about him, but, you know, he doesn't do stuff anymore and stuff like that. So when I came to the vineyard, my theology and my relationship with God blew up and it was all surrounded around this idea of the kingdom of God. And if you have been with us back in January and February, we had this long six-week sermon series on the kingdom of God. So please go check that out if you hadn't. This, um, this is just one sermon that can't fit in six weeks, even though I tried all week to fit in six weeks worth of material because it's so big. Um, please go back and check that out. But um, I just want to see if we retain some information real quick. And as you guys know, I like to ask questions and most of you go, oh, I hate this guy because he does this all the time. So I have a question for you. And now don't jump up all at once to answer the question. <laughs> all right. I'll give you a moment of brilliance, okay? And let you think. Um, and if someone would like to answer the question, I would love it. Um, and that's this. Um, how do we define the kingdom of God? One, two, three, four, 
Five seconds of brilliance. Good job, guys. Would anyone like to answer that question of how you've heard, heard us explain the kingdom of God? I said not all at once, guys. Would anyone like to? Lindsay, how do we do that? Yes. Good job. Pastor. You're fantastic. Um, how we define the kingdom of God and how we did was it's God's order and his will, but specifically, biblically, it's the rule and reign of God. And the closest definition we have in Scripture that came from Jesus is him teaching his disciples how to pray, where he says, Therefore, you should pray like this, Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what we talked about in that series was in Hebrew poetry, the second line normally explains the first line. If you go to the book of Proverbs, this is all over the book of Proverbs. Um, and so that second line, you will be done on earth, on earth as it is in heaven, explains that first line, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come, you will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So to pray for the kingdom to come is to pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So is there sickness, oppression, injustice, and people out of relationship with Jesus in heaven? No. So heaven is a great way for us to understand God's will and order and also the character of God. And I love talking about the kingdom because it's that character of God I see in the kingdom of God that changed my life um, and affected the way I relate to God. And if you want to know who Jesus is and his character, then guys, we have to understand the narrative of the kingdom of God throughout scripture and how Jesus demonstrated its arrival in his life and his ministry. And so today, guys, we're going to be a bit basic and a little bit theologically heavy. And I don't mean theologically heavy as I'm going to explain terms like um, um, inaugurated eschatology. Um, I won't be using big words or anything like that. But it would be heavy, the heavy theologically in the narrative of Scripture because I think, um, right, Paul says um, or someone says that... Um, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, and when we see it in the word, and the word is true, it helps free us from lies that we have believed about God. And so that's why I think it's so important. And so we're going to go all the way back to chapter 1 of the Bible, in Genesis 1. And the great thing about the rule and reign of God, guys, is that it's in the first chapter of the Bible, and it's in the last chapter of the Bible. It's in chapter 1, and it's in the second of the last paragraph of the Bible, this idea goes all throughout the word of God. And in Genesis uh, verses 26 and 28, it says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will, notice this, rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and he created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Notice again. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. And so this is the first time we see the word, the word rule, reign in the Bible, and how God sets up the narrative of the kingdom. Now listen to this, guys. Humans are the way God reigns in the world. The image of God is something that humans are. It's also something that humans do. 
humans embody and image God's rule and reign in the world. So that is the narrative that we see here, that God's plan was to share his world with humans and to have his reign, his rule, his will brought about in the world through human beings. And that is great for us to understand because there are very few stories in the Bible, honestly, go read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. There are very few stories where God does something separate from humans. He always co-ruled with them. And I don't know about you guys, but I know myself. I don't always think that's a smart business plan to rule and reign through me. Um, You guys know. You guys were here a couple weeks ago. I don't have to explain it, see? Um, I explained that a guy named Jordan will be in a park with popsicles to play with your kids and realize I didn't explain that well. Um, Forgot the preface to our visitors, in which we had a lot here that morning. Um, And one was a detective, I think, which didn't help me out any. And um, I forgot the preface that Jordan was our kid's pastor. Um... And so all they knew was Jordan was this weird guy in the park with popsicles that was going to watch your kid for about two hours. And that's not the only story. If you weren't here, I thought that was hilarious because I saw I did that. And I proceeded to laugh with the microphone up here in a ball for a minute and a half. (laughs) Telling Lindsay to come up and get the microphone. (laughs) I'm not going to trust that guy. Um, Also, you can ask my wife. I leave a window, always at all time, unlocked at our home, and this is good information for you guys to know if you want to break in anytime. Um, unfortunately, my address is on the website too. A little more information for you if you want to look up groups. Um, but I lock myself out of the house at least twice a month. So I leave a window unlocked so I can get back in the house. You can ask her. I'm not lying. I'm not exaggerating on that. I wish I could say at most, but it's at least... Um, twice a month. And so if I'm God, I would not look at this guy and be like, you know what, I'm going to rule and reign through this guy. <laughs> like, like, that's my guy. Um, um, thank you, Jesus, for mercy. Um, but, but that just goes to say, is God so different from us? Right? Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, love trusts at all times. And God has a crazy amount of trust, belief, and joy in you and me. Um, even though I have a thousand reasons why he should not trust me or rule and reign through me, yet God is aware of my thousand reasons and more that I don't know about, and yet he still chooses to use us to bring his rule and reign here on the earth. And that's just the goodness of God. And then we're going to go all the way to the end of the Bible now. We're going to go to Revelation 22, verses 1 through 5. It says, Then he showed me the river of the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the city's main street. The tree of life was on each side of the river, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit every month. Then the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. And as you guys see, this is the Garden of Eden, except now it's a city. Um, They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. People will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun because the Lord God will give them light and they, who is they? Us, the people of God, will, now notice this, reign forever and ever. And so God, even in the new earth, when he comes back and brings the fullness of everything, 
Not only will God reign, he says also you will still reign too. Because our image and who we are and what we do, God has put the rule of reign and God in us. And we see all throughout the Old Testament, God partnered with the likes of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Moses. And then, of course, in the New Testament, we see Jesus commissioned the disciples to teach and do all that he did in his life and ministry. He says, all authority has been given to me. Now go disciple, heal the sick, cast out demons. Humanity is the main way God extends his kingdom on the earth. But in Genesis 3, something went wrong between God and humanity. There was a breakdown in trust. Through the deception of the serpent, humanity decides that God can't be trusted and that God doesn't have our best in mind. Essentially, that God isn't good, so it will be better for us to find good and evil for ourselves. And so that breakdown in relationship creates this separation between God and humanity. And we see those who God made to rule and reign start to build their own rule and reign through the deception of the kingdom of darkness that is opposed to God. And all throughout the Old Testament narrative, we see humanity continue to suffer the consequences of that separation of God's rule and reign. And all throughout that, God tries to intervene again and again, but humanity still has a problem with trusting God, trusting what God says about life. And so for the next thousand years or so, God speaks to his prophets and said one day that he would send his Messiah, who we now understand as Jesus, his son, to restore the rule and reign of God so that what was done on earth would be the same that was done in heaven. And when he comes, he will make right everything in this world that has gone wrong. God said this Messiah Messiah would wipe every tear from their eyes and even death itself would be defeated. And there will no longer be any harm, division, sorrow, or grief. The Bible gives this imagery of a a, a lamb lying with a lion. And a child will play in a viper's nest and neither one of them will be destroyed or no harm will come to them. And the knowledge of the Lord will fill the earth as the waters cover the earth. And when Jesus came saying what Aaron said today in Mark chapter 1 verse 15... The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus is saying it starts now. The kingdom of God is here. The beginning of making everything right that has gone wrong starts now. And so God's kingdom is already here, but it's not yet in its fullness. There is a war going on. It's the kingdom of darkness against the kingdom of God. And God's kingdom is an invasion from heaven to take this world back to divine order and to restore every person to the image and rule and reign of God. This age of the future, God's kingdom, that our hearts yearn for is already here. But it's not yet here in its fullness in the way that we wish all the time. And so it's already here and it's not yet. And so if you heard us use that language a lot, already and not yet, that's what we mean. Every time you see the power of God, every time you see someone healed or the poor cared for, every time you see someone set free of hopelessness, fear, anxiety, suicide, depression, and everything the kingdom of darkness tries to bring upon people, 
that is a sign that the promise of God is true. And that when he comes again, he is going to restore everything in its fullness, like, like we see in Revelation 22. So that is where we find ourselves today in this in-between, the already and the not yet. So basically when we uh, pray for people, when we see addictions broken, we see the kingdom come, when we pray for people and we don't, that means the kingdom's not yet here in its fullness. And there's tension. And we have to learn to live in that tension. And so I just want to recap real quick because I really want to hit this end point really hard with us because I think this is something God's speaking to us. Um, I want to recap. We see the kingdom of God means the rule and reign of God. And when we see the poor cared for, people released from the bonds of the enemy, justice come to unjust situations, the sick healed, and so on, that's a sign that God's promise is true and his kingdom is here. That we also see in God's original intent to rule and reign through us, his beloved creation, the image of God is something that humans are and it's something that humans do. Humans embody an image, God's rule and reign in the world, and that is God's plan A. You are God's plan A. And as your pastors, if you come to us and say, what's your vision for our city and our community? We're going to say you. Because you are God's vision to bringing the renewal of all things. And now I want, before we end today, I want to point out one more thing about the kingdom of God that I think Jesus is really hitting on in the church right now. Um, and honestly, it's something that as I read the New Testament, um, um, it just makes me fall in love with Jesus all over again and this message of his invasion, of his kingdom. And I want us to ask the question of how Jesus went about bringing the kingdom. How did Jesus model for us how to bring the rule and reign over the world? Now, if you were here during Palm Sunday, I kind of explained this. How Rome did it was to use their brute mil military power and wealth. How religion did it was to align with Rome in ways that were useful and to demand heavy burdens on their own people, despising the poor, sick, and the weak. Rome and religion created this power circle that excluded others and propped themselves up. Other people are just pawns in their desire for power and nobility while building their own kingdom. And I think when we hear rule and reign, that is what we most think of. We think of control, we think of force and coercion. And unfortunately, I think that's also how, as the church, because we're already not yet people, we're not totally used to this other kingdom, this other way of rule and reigning, that we have slightly talked about God in that same way of control, force, and coercion. Um, and it's how some parts of the church, I think, has distorted God's sovereignty. Um, we've kind of explained him as the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But that's the identity Jesus gives the accuser in the New Testament. He doesn't come to steal, kill, and destroy. He said he came to give life, and life to the full. And sometimes in our understanding, we distort that image. We distort who he is. But that's not what we see in the life of Jesus. The way Jesus modeled for us how to bring and live out his rule and reign is through sacrificial, sacrificial love for God and for the sake of others. Or how we say it around here, walking with God and loving our neighbor. Jesus, when he came, didn't align with political or religious power. 
He didn't look for a stage to speak or a platform. His platform was going to the margins of society, making himself vulnerable to the pain and trauma of this world, speaking and preaching the kingdom of God and demonstrating its arrival. That's, that's where Jesus' platform was. In fact, Jesus' enthronement moment as king was when he went to the cross, carrying our sin, our rebellion against his kingdom, and gave his life for his enemies in an act of sacrificial love. That's how Jesus ruled and reigned. He gave his life for the sake of others. And that's how he calls us, and this is hard, that's how he calls us to model that, to form our lives to that. That's a God you can trust. God doesn't leverage his power, listen to this, he doesn't leverage his power at the expense of others, but for the sake of others. And that's how Jesus models for us, his image bearers, how to bring the rule and reign of God. Living a sacrificial life unto God for the sake of everyone, every day, everywhere. He calls our lives to be formed to that model. And I don't want to lie to you, because Jesus did it. It costs something to do that. He says in Matthew 10, 39, whoever finds their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. It does mean laying down our time, our finances, our comforts to embrace and make ourselves vulnerable to the pain and trauma of those around us. While also, and this makes it harder, walking through your own pain and trauma. Because living under God's rule and reign is where we find life and purpose. We find a God that desires us to enter his rule and reign, to co-rule with him and live a sacrificial, loving life unto God for the sake of others. I have a quote I use all the time, and you guys have heard it a thousand times, but I'm going to keep on quoting it because I love it. It's by uh, my Monday morning pastor, Jordan Sang, and he says, the character of God isn't really sown by his power. It's sown by the combination of his power and his vulnerability. Yes, he's all-powerful, but he suffers with you. Yes, he's Lord, but he won't lord it over you. If he were merely wondrous, he'd be unreachable, unreachable, but he's also lowly, so you can trust him. And the good news of the kingdom is that God reigns today. Even so, as we sit here right now in this room, our king and his kingdom is amongst us. And how I also know his kingdom is amongst us is because I see image bearers of his rule and reign all over this room. Vineyard pastor Steve Nicholson says this about the church. He says, if Jesus really is alive and if he really is doing the work of the kingdom, making all things new in this broken world, then the gathering of the church should never be boring, um, unless it's a boring sermon. Sorry. <laughs> it should not just be a gathering of contented believers awaiting their promotion to heaven. It should be a gathering of people who are filled with joy, with hope, and with a radical commitment to participating in the furthering of God's kingdom. It should be a place where something mysterious and powerful is taking place. We should be people of expectation because that kingdom is amongst us. And as we end today, I want to address a few things. The band can go ahead and come on up. Um, 
and play some music. Um, I think this one thing that we've hit on, which has plagued us all throughout our human existence, has been this idea of can we actually trust God and is God good? Because I don't know, um, if you are a person who have who has went after the kingdom of God, you've went after the already, you prayed the prayers, you prayed over the sick, you prayed over your own situations, and you've gotten the not yet, you've wrestled with this idea of, is God good? Especially if you've been faithful and you're all on the line. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. If you're serving Jesus very faithfully, you will be disappointed a little bit more because you're going all in. You're seeing these not yet moments. And, and, and I've told you guys, I've prayed a ton. And the already doesn't disciple my heart like those not yet moments. Those not yet moments disciple my heart a lot more than the breakthroughs that I see. Because whether you believe it or not, the breakthroughs are normal. It seems so normal in that moment. Um, I was going to have him testify today, but I prayed for John Green's knee back there at a Super Bowl park party while Snoop Dogg was rapping on the TV. And I just asked for pain to leave, and he hasn't had pain in his knee since then. Right? And it, it wasn't this moment where the glory of God came down in the room and we all fell down and worshiped God. He showed up to church next week and said, there's no pain. I'm like, really? I was kind of just joking a little bit it was kind of like I'm just going to take a chance took me two seconds in the name of Jesus pain be gone leave and he's like "Eh, there's no pain right and we wish those moments were big but those moments disciple us less than those not yet moments Um, especially when they're personal and I I, I know that it's it's Mother's Day and me and Christy and last year and a half my wife has had um three miscarriages and so I sit here on this day feeling the pain of the not yet right Um, but there's this one thing we have to understand I have it written down here to have hope in the already it doesn't pretend disappointments and pain don't exist guys it just refuses to live under the narrative of disappointment and pain and the enemy would love to have you live in that narrative and believe that God is not good and that God is withholding from you. But as we see, there's a battle. There's a kingdom of darkness. There's places where God's will is not being done. But then there are places where God's will is. And I don't know about you guys, if we have a church of all these people in this room headed out into our community, praying for God's will to come or just me doing it, like I said, on a daily basis, I'm pretty sure they already would be just as normal as not yet because we're laying our lives down on the line and taking every opportunity we can. And so I want to take a moment and I want to pray over you. Um, I want to pray that God would come and, and in this moment, I'm going to give you guys at least about 30, 30, about 30 seconds because I just walked with God enough to know there are disappointments in this room. I have them myself. And Jesus says that those who don't get offended by me are blessed blessed are those who don't get offended by me and so I want you to give that disappointment to God be honest with him tell him about that disappointment and then at the end of that 30 seconds I just want to hold want you to hold your hands out I'm just going to ask the spirit to come and love on you
So can we do that for the next 30 seconds? If you have anything, any disappointment, anything that has hindered you in your walk forward with God, would you offer that up to him?